As you faithful bridge building listeners know, I am a huge fan of reading about board games. I then like to try to interview the author. This happened with the Beginner's Board Game Bible and its author, Ben Hoppy. In his fantastic book, if you haven't bought it yet, do it, he mentioned games to help break people into this great hobby. Many of his game suggestions I had heard of or already had played, yet one game nagged at me that I really wanted to try. It was 1995's Mystery of the Abbey. It was described in his book as a next-level clue. Clue with a little more. I was extremely interested, but then disappointed to learn that it was out of production. I then went out to look for a used copy, as I usually do, and prices fluctuated anywhere from $30 to $60. As I was hunting down a copy, I came across one at a board game flea market for $35, and I pounced on it. Sadly, it sat on my shelf as shame for over a year before finally I got it to table at a library board game event, ironically, with my coworkers. In Mystery of the Abbey, you and your fellow players are visiting monks at the Serene Abbey. The next morning, the body of Brother Adelmo is discovered at the foot of the cliffs. Your group is asked by the abbot to look into the mysterious death of the brother and investigate the abbey and his inhabitants to discover who killed the beloved Brother Adelmo. So, does Mystery the Abbey do enough to separate itself from the classic game of Clue? Was it worth the hunting and searching for it? Did Ben Hoppy lead me astray? Can it be played in a lunch hour? Let's find out. Alright, welcome back to Eat Lunch and Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins. Let's take a look at the rule clarity for the mystery of the Abbey. A quick note, I am basing this review off the Days of Wonder edition post-2005. The rules look more intimidating than they really are. Do not let the size of the pages or the fact that they are eight full pages fool you. The rules are quite clear with pictures and examples to help you along. Time to explain to newcomers. I didn't think I'd have to put it this way, but if you're playing with someone (laughs) that has no understanding of Clue, it will take about 20 minutes to explain this game. Otherwise, it should take about 10 to 15 minutes. The object of the game is simple. Score the most points when someone makes an accusation about who they believe killed Brother Adelmo. This might seem odd. The person who deduces the culprit doesn't win? Nope. It is points-based. More on this later. It is also the part that really needs some explanation. A good solid read through the rule book is what we did and what I would suggest you do before bringing this to your office co-workers. Gameplay. To set up, place the large, beautifully illustrated board showing the abbey in the middle of the play area. Each monk selects a color and receives a suspect sheet and a folder for hiding it. These nice folders also act as a reference sheet. Place all the monks in the ecclesia, or the chapel. Next, roll the custom dice until a color matching one of the monks in play appears. Place each die into one of the confessionals. These should be different colors. Shuffle the 24 suspect cards and remove one 
from the game and place it under the board. A quick other, you can download a sleeve similar to the evidence folder for Clue for safekeeping. This hidden monk is the killer. Then remove either five or three, depending on player count, and place these in the upper left corner of the board. Deal the remaining out evenly to the monks. Each monk should take a moment to mark these suspects off on their supplied sheet. Take note that each monk has a different combination of characteristics. Bearded or clean-shaven. Thin or fat, their words, not mine. The new version, which I'll talk about in a minute, is bellied or slender. Not sure that's any better. They could be either hooded or bald. Or be one of three different orders. The Templars, the Benedictine, or the Franciscans. And lastly, one of three different titles. Father, brother, or novice. Next... Roll the remaining die until a color of a playing monk appears. This is the first player. The monk takes the mass deck and the bell, which is an actual miniature metal bell with a working clanger, placing the bell on the one of the first mass deck. Take a quick second to make sure that the mass deck counts up from one to eight. Now with the setup completed, it's time to play. The abbey is divided up into ten different types of rooms, each with a different function. The Ecclesia, the chapel, is where each monk starts the round. At the end of each round, they are called back for mass. It is also where a monk must repent. More on that in a bit. Then there's the confessorium, the confessional, which allows the monk that enters to steal a card from the last monk to visit the confessorium, as indicated by the die. Then the die is changed to that monk's color. The crypta offers a card that allows the monk to take a second turn. Quick note, this room is missing in the latest version, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. When a monk enters the scriptorium, a scriptorium card is drawn. These cards represent books. If they are marked with a rose, they are kept secret by the monk who has it to be played at a later time that is most advantageous to that monk. If it does not have that rose, it is read aloud and its effects happen immediately. If a monk possesses the fewest suspect cards in hand, the biblioteca, or library, may be visited. This action can only be taken once. Draw a biblioteca card, read it aloud, and apply any effects as directed. Then the parlatorium, or the parlor, has two different functions depending on the suspect card deck on the board. If cards are still available, draw one. If not, the monk may ask any other monk to show a suspect card that has one or two characteristics. This room is very valuable throughout the game. Each monk has a place to keep their belongings. This cellula, or cell, is just the place. However, a monk may enter another monk's cell. By doing so, a card is randomly taken from the monk's hand that belongs in that cell. This comes at a risk, however. If you are caught by the owning monk, meaning the monk enters his cell with the snooping monk still inside, the card is returned and the snooper is required to go to the Ecclesia for penance. When a monk is ready to make a revelation or bring a final accusation, he must visit the capitulum. 
A monk can score points by deducing and making proclamations throughout the game. This new wrinkle adds a nice layer to the clue-like game. To make a proclamation, a monk must be in the capitulum and then state something believed to be true. The killer has a beard. The killer wears a hood. It cannot be the killer is not a Benedictine. You must say something that is true. These score points at the end of the game if they're correct. I'll cover this again in a few more minutes. The last two types of rooms, the aula and the claustrum, have no action. They're empty rooms that tend to join these other rooms together. On a turn, the monk in possession of the bell and mass card moves the bell one space closer to mass. Then the monk may move one or two rooms. Rooms are connected by doorways and signified by color changes in the flooring. A monk may not leave and re-enter the same room on the same turn. If entering a room with another monk, an encounter happens. The entering monk may ask a question of the monk already in the room. Any question can be asked except one that would require the question to give a name of a suspect. You can, however, ask if that monk has eliminated a specific person. The questioned monk has two options. Take a vow of silence and not answer, placing your finger over your lips in the classic shh sign. Or answer the question and then ask the questioner a question. Lies cannot be told. We are holy monks after all. We are bound by a vow of honesty. Then the action of the room takes effect as I just covered. Play then passes to the right. If the bell is already on the four of the current mass card, then mass occurs. All monks return to the chapel, give the mass card directed amount of suspect cards to the monk on your left, and then draw an event card. Read the event aloud, follow what it says, and pass the mass cards to the next monk, who then places the bell on the one, and a new turn starts. Okay, the last few things to cover are penance, revelations, and accusations. If a monk is caught in another cellula, makes a false accusation, or forgets to move the bell or call for mass, that monk must repent. The monk is moved to the ecclesia, the chapel, and loses a turn. While in penance, this monk may not be asked or ask any questions. If penance happens just before mass, his first turn in the next round is forfeit. Revelations I've already covered. Once a player makes a revelation aloud, and it is recorded, written down, another monk may not make the same accusation. However, if a monk believes that that revelation is false, a contradictory revelation may be made. If I proclaim the killer to be a father, and you believe him to be a brother, you can proclaim it. An accusation requires a monk to enter the capitulum and announce who he believes to be the killer of Brother Adelmo. If any monk has this card in hand, it must be revealed, and the accusing monk suffers penance. If no one can prove otherwise, then the hidden card is checked to verify the accusation. If correct, the game ends. This triggers the in-game scoring. For each correct revelation, a monk scores two points. For each wrong, negative two points. The correct accusation scores four points. Incorrect accusations, negative two. It is possible to score more points than the correct accuser. If there's a tie, the monk who correctly found the killer is declared the winner. 
Replayability. All I can say is, as soon as we finished playing the game, the three of us wanted to just reset and play again. But time went on allow as the library was getting ready to close. And while being locked in a library sounds like fun, we decided to go ahead and leave. Like with Clue, the game is different each time. Unlike Clue's 200 and some variations, there are only 24 in the Mystery of the Abbey, since there is only one suspect that needs to be sussed out. This might seem like a downfall, but it's far from it. Each game offers new players with new question ideas. Each game feels completely different. Components. First off, I want to state that the box contains a fantastic vacuum molded insert. Each piece has its place, and this aids tremendously in the setup and breakdown time. Kudos to Days of Wonder. The board is a standard thick chipboard. The cards are a little on the lower quality, which is sad and a bit scary. They are the key component to the game. I bought my copy used, and the person who owned it ahead of me actually sleeved every card in the deck except the mask cards for some reason. They are not shuffled, so I guess they don't require protection. It's just odd to sleeve all but eight cards. The pawns are nicely detailed colored plastic monks. Sadly, though, there's only one mold, so they all look the same, just different colors. The dice are custom and wood. The sides are painted with the silhouette of a monk. And lastly, as I already mentioned, my favorite part is the bell. The bell is a really small metal bell with a working clapper, and it is fun to ring to call everybody back to mass. Lunchtime potential. Mystery of the Abbey could be played in the lunch hour if only with four players. Five or six might make it bleed a little over the 60-minute mark. We learned it and played it in about 75 minutes with three players the first time we played it. I typically have five players at lunch, so we'll see how it goes. Artwork. The artwork and illustrations by Julian Duvall and Emmanuel Rudier work very well. Each of the 24 monk suspects are different, but they all feel like they belong in the game together. Each one looks like the other in matching characteristics. The artwork on the board is stunning. There are a lot of little details in the simple layout of the Abbey. Expansions. There's currently one on the market, but it really is just part of the game now. If you have an old 1995 version of the game, you can buy the expansion. If you have an edition produced post-2005, your version has it included. If you aren't sure, it will be mentioned on the box cover. It is called The Pilgrim's Chronicles. This is a small 12-card expansion, which was originally designed for the 2005 Essen Fair. It adds five new Scriptorium cards, six new events, and one new Biblioteca card. Shuffle these in with their respective base game decks, and you're good to go. Honestly, I did not know what the expansion was. When we played the game, which I thought was the base game, I looked into what the expansion was, and I was surprised to learn that I'd already experienced it. The new edition currently on Kickstarter boasts that having the 12-card expansion included though I would not really consider it an expansion, just part of the game now. There is a new one. I have no idea what this one brings, but I am interested for sure. All that is known is that it contains more cards, wooden tokens, and more could be unlocked as the campaign continued through Kickstarter. Bang for the buck. The original version is currently out of print, but look for it in the secondhand market. I found a copy at a flea market for a reasonable price of $35. Now that I finally got the table, I loved it and backed the new campaign on Kickstarter at the bundle level for $51 because I want the unique monk pawns. The only thing I see in the new version that I don't like is that the bell has been replaced with a wooden token. Why? 
I loved ringing that actual bell. It just added a little bit more something to the game. Other. An interesting thing to note about Mystery of the Abbey is that it is based on the novel The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. And it came out in 1980. It was made into a movie starring Sean Connery, F. Murray Abraham, Ron Perlman, and Christian Slater in 1986. The book was dry and I just couldn't get into it, but the movie was 130 minutes and starred a James Bond and a Bond villain, Michael Lonsdale, who was Drax from Moonraker. I rented it from the local library and gave it a watch. While I really enjoyed the movie, it did not provide any insight into how to play the game any better, which is a shame, as I doubt many of my friends have seen this great film. A few years back, it was remade to a miniseries starring John Turturro. I have not yet watched this eight-part miniseries yet. It is not streaming or rentable anywhere at this time, but I'll keep an eye out for it. In summary, The Mystery of the Abbey works well as a different whodunit and a great change of pace from Clue. The subtlety of the mechanics changes and different rules help it to stand on its own. The Board Game Geek page for The Mystery of the Abbey has it rated at a 6.5 with 8,000 reviews as compared to Clue's 5.7. I think the weights say it all, though. 2.2 for Abbey as compared to 1.65 of Clue. I truly believe that each of these weights are low. I think Clue in and of itself is a solid 2 in weight and complexity, whereas The Mystery of the Abbey is a solid 2.5 as the questions make this game much more complex. you got to get creative in your question asking. That's where the replayability really comes in. You play with more players who have different ideas for questions. And then you get better question ideas. Yes, you're only trying to find the suspect. But you're trying to suss out the suspect based on different characteristics. And that's what makes this game so much fun. Is that at the end of every round, you have to hand off some of your cards to the player on your left. This can make it very complicated as you try to hold one so that nobody else knows that one monk. But you have to remember what monk you're not handing off. But also as the rounds increase, you have to hand over more and more cards. As this goes on, you're trying to, you may not have enough cards to hand over. So you have to hand over your whole deck. It just, there's something about the way it all comes together in the end that makes playing Mystery of the Abbey feel very similar and yet completely different to Mr. Pratt's Clue. I highly recommend picking up a copy of Mystery of the Abbey if you can find it. If not, the new one is due out next July of 2024 as the Kickstarter just wrapped up with just shy of $60,000 and over 1,200 backers. I'm looking forward to it. You should be looking forward to it. Find this game, find somebody who's got it, and give Mystery of the Abbey a chance. Also, go find the movie. It's a fun little way to watch Sean Connery and Christian Slater solve a murder. As usual, you can reach out to me at eatlunchandboardgame.com. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash eatlunchandboardgame. Send me a message. Send me a game suggestion at pottenbox.com slash eatlunchandboardgame. And you can always email me at eatlunchandboardgame at gmail.com. And remember, board games build bridges. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. 
These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com. 